We are continuing in our uh, freedom series from the Beatitudes, um, and so I get to carry us forward in that today. Um, how do you know when you're hungry? What are the signs? They're pretty obvious, aren't they? Right? Uh, maybe our, your stomach starts to growl. Maybe you'll notice yourself starting to get a little bit lightheaded. Uh, maybe you get a little hangry. I may not be one of those people. Um, but the signs, the signs of hunger, when we're hungry, uh, physically hungry, they, they're pretty obvious, aren't they? Like they really kind of show themselves. What about when, uh, when you're hungry and you eat and then you're still left unsatisfied? afterwards. What about those signs? What does that look like? Um, maybe, maybe you eat your meal, but then over the next half hour, you kind of pull things out of the cupboards around the, the kitchen because um, you're, you're still, you're unsatisfied and you're still trying to fill yourself, right? Um, and so, you know, maybe, maybe you find yourself reaching uh, for the chocolate or you find yourself reaching for a cookie or you find, you know, you go to the fridge and uh, pull out some leftover meat from the meal last night. <clears throat> I may or may not be listing things that I've done frequently. Um, <clears throat> but when we're hungry, there are signs. And when we're left unsatisfied, there are also signs. Once upon a time, I was on a diet. I know you're thinking, no, not you, Tim. <laughs> But I was, and uh, and it was all about reducing carbs, uh, and and so they had they had this alternative way of making some delicious things, um, so that those things would be more healthy uh, and would be lower carbs. And so, um, and, and so one that we tried and that people promised was going to be good was something called black bean chocolate cake. And that's exactly what it was. Black bean chocolate cake. And it was this sort of like cake-like thing made from black beans and dark chocolate that sort of had the texture and taste of chocolate cake. Um, and it was but it was supposedly good for you, and so then you could eat as much of it as you wanted. It was supposed to be, like, consequence-free, right? Um, but, but the problem was that no matter how much of it I ate, it just didn't really satisfy, right? Because it, it wasn't the real thing. It wasn't really delicious, and it wasn't really cake, and then you, then you compare that to like a piece of chocolate cake that you get from Brecca, like maybe their Belgian chocolate mousse cake. And the black bean stuff, it's, it just doesn't compare. There's a reason Brecca doesn't make that. <laughs> one, one bite of the Brecca cake and, and you, know, you think you're in heaven, but the black bean stuff, not, not so much. Not so much. But we can, we can tell when we're hungry, can't we? And we can tell when a substitute 
isn't the real thing, even if we keep going back to that thing, even if we have a lot of it, we can still tell when it's not the real thing. Um, We can tell when we're unsatisfied and when something can't really ultimately satisfy us. And I think that um, just like we can tell physically when we are hungry um, and when our hunger is left unsatisfied, I think that we can tell spiritually when that is true as well. Because we've been created with, this, with a deep desire, a deep hunger for God and for a relationship with him and, and that we're thirsty for the things of God. And so when I look around us and I look at our society and culture around us, I think that the signs point to a people and a culture and a society that is not only hungry, but that is starving. We are starving and we keep trying to satisfy ourselves with things that can never satisfy us. We, we live in a, a time and a place where pr- we probably have better access to food physically than any time in history, but we're starving. In July of this year, the count of deaths from toxic drug overdose in British Columbia was again on record pace, higher than it's ever been at that point in the year. I think we're starving. According to the WHO, depression and anxiety rates have increased 25% over the past year. I think we're starving. Consumer debt is at an all-time high per person in North America this year. We We keep grasping for things in hopes that they will satisfy us, but they don't. We are starving. And this might seem like good news at first uh, to hear that the rates of those under 30 who have never had sex have nearly tripled since 2008. But this is largely understood to have occurred because of the overwhelming use of pornography in our culture by men and women. That the increase in artificial digital relationships increasingly leaves our society unable to develop relationships with real human beings. We are starving. We are starving and we are trying to satisfy ourselves with things that do not satisfy us. And so we're starving and we're left to wander the kitchen, opening cupboards, trying this thing and that thing in hopes of finding what can never really satisfy us. But we don't find it. Because I think for most of us, we haven't figured out what it is that we're really hungry for. What it is that we're missing. In Matthew 5, verse 6, Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. See, I think 
we're all created to crave righteousness. The trouble is that for so many of us, um, and for so much of the time, our hunger and thirst is misdirected. Uh, St. John of the Cross taught that if our passions remain unconquered by God's love and untamed by self-control, they will attach themselves to anything and everything until they destroy us. And I think so much of the time, that's what we do. Our hunger and our thirst remain misdirected, so we attach it to anything and everything else that promises to satisfy, but never lives up to the promise that always leaves us ultimately feeling empty. And we feel this, this great longing for more and for a wholeness that we can't articulate. And so we pursue things and we form habits and we form addictions to things with the hope that they will satisfy the great longing of our hearts. That we can fill this deep hole deep inside us, but we pursue and attach ourselves to things that never really satisfy, that don't fill us. And we become enslaved to these things. And, and for a moment, for a moment, they can give us this fleeting glimpse of satisfaction that then fades until our next hit or our next fix of whatever that is. But our, but our hunger, that hunger that we're feeling in the first place, that hunger that drives us even to these wrong places, that hunger is right and that thirst is real, it's just, it's just misdirected. Our habits and addictions are less a sign that something is wrong with us, but rather a sign that something is right, but is just misdirected. Because we are made to desire something more. We are made at the core of us to experience something more. We just sometimes chase the wrong thing and attach ourselves to the wrong thing. The story of the prodigal son in Luke 15 is an example of this. Uh, he realizes that he has a desire for more and so, so demands to be allowed to go and pursue that. So as it says then in verse 13, that he set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. The son realized the hunger and the desire for more. What he didn't know was, was what he was really longing for and where to find that. It isn't, uh, and it isn't until he's been left wanting and empty from trying every other avenue that he even begins to have an, a hint of searching in the right place. But his hunger was right. It was just misdirected. His, his desire for more was right. He just didn't realize what it was that could fill that desire. And what we are made to desire is in fact righteousness. So what is righteousness? Well, first off, I think it's worth mentioning what it is not. Because most of the time, I think when we hear the word righteous, we think of self-righteous. Or if you're older, perhaps the righteous brothers. But mostly, 
I think we think of self-righteous. Some of you younger folks are like, what did he do? Righteous brothers? What's that? (laughs) We'll play it later. Um, But self-righteousness, it's a bad thing, right? Um, It's it's when we think that that we're better or more holy or more good or more right than those around us. And so we carry ourselves and we behave in such a way and we talk in such a way that we let others know that we're better than them. That we, that we have it all together and that they don't. And, and we think better of ourselves than we think of others. And sometimes we're aware of the ways that we do this and sometimes we're not. And I think if we're all a little bit honest... I think probably we've all struggled with this a bit from time to time. But this is not what it means to be righteous. Uh, And this isn't what we're ultimately hungering and thirsting for. We're not hungering and thirsting for self-righteousness. What righteousness ultimately is, is right-relatedness. Right-relatedness, it's the wholeness of our relationships with God and others and the world that God has created. Does that sound familiar? It's pretty close to a sign we have right over there. We, we say this purpose statement uh, every Sunday, that we, are, that we are invited, and we are inviting others into right relatedness, righteousness, with God, with one another, and with the world, which includes all that God has created. We are created to be in a whole relationship with God and with others and with all creation. And we we see this laid out at at the beginning of the Bible in in Genesis uh, chapter 1 and 2 with the the man and woman uh, being in in the garden and they're in whole relationship with God uh, as, as he would walk with them and relate with them in the garden and as they walked in in vulnerable relationship with one another, that there was, there was nothing that was hidden between them. Um, and as they lived in mutual, a mutual relationship with care, with creation, uh, all around them. And, and it's then when this, these relationships are broken by sin, that then hiding came in. That then the rift between all those relationships came in bringing separation and brokenness between all those layers of relationships. And so then humanity was left longing for the wholeness of relationship for which we were always created. We were always created to have wholeness of those relationships. And we experience the lack of this right relatedness so that, so that unrecognized when we don't recognize that, we, we know there's something missing, but when we don't recognize it, we reach out and attach ourselves to anything and everything that offers empty promises to fulfill or to distract us from our deeply felt lack. But what we're really feeling, what we're truly hungering for, is right relatedness. And this, and this starts with right relatedness to God because all the other relationships follow a whole relationship with, with the Lord. Uh, Eugene Peterson uh, 
goes so far as to say, as, as human beings, we're created for relationship with God. So that when we live apart from relationship to God, that there is, that there is something of our humanity that is missing. There is something of our humanity that is not being expressed. That's, that's kind of a hard thing to hear. But it helps us understand, I think, the lack that we feel and the hunger and the thirst that we feel when we live outside of this right-relatedness. And so, so righteousness starts with our relationship to God and it extends to others because we're created for whole relationships with one another. I think this is why in, in the New Testament, when when we, we read the stories in the New Testament of people coming to faith in Christ and when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, one of the first ways that we see them living this out is in community. It's in fellowship with other believers that, 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 that coming to Christ and being filled with the Holy Spirit, that one of, the, one of the first expressions is walking in relationship with other followers of Jesus because we're created for that right relationship with God and with others. We are hungry for more. And ever since right-relatedness, righteousness, was broken by sin, we can't help but hunger and thirst for its return. And so hunger and thirst is to be expected. We are created for more. The problem is when our hunger gets misdirected. But what we're truly hungering for and invited to hunger for is righteousness, right-relatedness, because it's only in right relationship with God and with others that the emptiness that we're trying to fill can ever be filled. But there's good news. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. What is Jesus' promise? It is that we can be filled. That we don't have to live empty. That when we realize our hunger and thirst and seek its fulfillment in the only thing, righteousness, from the only one, Jesus, who can truly satisfy us, the promise is that we will be filled. God does not and has not left us to hunger indefinitely and he will not leave our thirst unmet. When we seek it rightly from the only one who can truly satisfy, he will fill us. When we direct our hunger to right relatedness with God and others, the promise is that we will be filled. In the story of the prodigal son, the son finally hits rock bottom when he, when he realizes, and, and he barely realizes, that what his father offers, even to his father's servants, is better than what the son is experiencing. And the son, in, at this point of the story, he's, he's now starving. Uh, he's attempted to meet his, uh, his hunger and thirst elsewhere, uh, and has found his desires to be unmet, and he's left starving, both, both 
spiritually and relationally and physically, he's left starving. And he realizes that even his father's servants have more wholeness than himself. And so he heads home with a strategy to ask about being a servant. No longer considering himself worthy to be a son. He heads home to seek right relatedness with his father. And it says, while he was still a long way off, while he was still a long way off, the father sees him and runs to him and embraces him and kisses him. Our father longs for our good. It is not his desire for us to chase the things that can only leave us empty and wanting. It is not his desire that we should starve in our misdirected hungers and thirsts. The Father longs for our good. He longs to fill us, longs for us to be satisfied as we turn to him. And, and, he, and, he, and he looks for us like even when we're a long way off, he doesn't, he doesn't wait till we get to him that, 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 he's, that he's, he's watching for us to turn to him. Um, and, and so that when, he, that when we do, that he can run to us and embrace us and meet us in our hunger with his righteousness. You will be filled is the promise. Turn your misdirected hungers and thirsts toward righteousness to right relatedness with God and others, and you will be filled. Last week, Pastor Greg called us to wait in the discomfort of our unmet longings and to wait for Jesus there. And the reason that we can wait is the promise that Jesus makes here when he says, You will be filled. But maybe you're saying, this all sounds great, Tim, but I'm 46, and I've been hungering and thirsting for more my whole life. And I try to wait on Jesus, and I try to hunger and thirst for more righteousness, but I haven't experienced being filled yet. I still find myself chasing after other things, and then coming back to Jesus, and then chasing after other things. And I get it. Our hunger and thirst for more can be so powerful and overwhelming sometimes. And it can be hard to sit in the, the discomfort and to wait on Jesus. When I think of my own hunger and thirst, when I think of the, the misdirecting that I've done too often with my own hunger and thirst, the conclusion that I reach for myself is that the fact that I'm not satisfied probably indicates that I haven't yet pursued or received the wholeness that Jesus has for me. That I'm not satisfied means that I haven't yet pursued or received the wholeness that Jesus has for me. I'm not there yet. But I have to believe that there is more that Jesus has for me than I have yet received. That he has more wholeness for me. 
and there that there are times when I've when I've tasted his goodness when I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good where I felt the weight of his love and moments of his filling but I haven't been fully satisfied yet either but I've but I've tried a lot of other things tried the the black bean chocolate cake <laughs> And a lot of other uh, things that I've chased in my life that have just proven to not satisfy. And I see others and I see our world uh, chasing after so many things that don't satisfy. And that what I've tasted in Jesus is, is so much better than what I've encountered and I've experienced out there that I long for more of it. I long for more of him. I long to be made to be to be made whole. And maybe and maybe I haven't fully received it yet because because my hands are till still too full of my misdirected pursuits. And that if I would if I would let go of my misdirected pursuits that then I could that I could receive more of the fullness that Jesus has for me. And so I think that what Jesus is inviting us is to ask, what, is, what are the things that we're holding on to that keeps us from receiving the fullness that he has for us? What are the, what are the, what are the things that, that we're chasing after that um, the, uh, the, the misdirected hungers and thirsts that we're, that we're chasing after in hopes of filling that Jesus is inviting us to let go of, to stop pursuing, and instead to hunger and thirst for his righteousness, to hunger and thirst for him. What will hungering and thirsting after him look like for you? And what does the, the promise of being filled mean for you? Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that even while we are a long way off, your eyes are searching for us. That, that, when, we, that when we turn to you, that when we direct our hunger and our thirst to you, that you don't wait for us to come closer, but you, but that, that you see us turn and you run to us while we're a long way off and that you embrace us and that you invite us into the wholeness of relationship with yourself and with others that you have for us. So Father, I pray that, that you would, by your spirit, that you would reveal the things to us that, that that you would reveal our misdirected hungers, that you would reveal our misdirected thirsts, our misdirected pursuits, that you would help us to, to lay these things down, to set them aside, so that we would have open hands to receive the fullness of what you have for us, that your promise that we can be filled in you 
would come true in our lives, Lord, even today. So Lord, draw us to yourself. Help us to hunger for your righteousness and fill us. In Jesus' name, amen.